is good to be at Lighthouse, and I'm going to try and not cry. Um, the emotions have been pretty, pretty strong today. Um, very excited to go home, um, and watching that video, it just um, makes me even more ready. But we always leave a part of us behind, and um, and uh, I just want to say thank you to um, the Bufords and this church for um, opening your arms and your heart to us and to our family. And um, as a missionary, I know I've, I've said this here before, and, and it, it, it's just true that um, from the time our kids were little, we prayed that God would prepare a place for them back here in the States so that when the time came um, for them to come home to America, um, we have two homes, that's home, this is home, but when the time came for them to come back to America, that there would be a place for them, um, because my husband and I grow, grew up as missionary kids, and um, so he and I both have kids that we grew up with, other missionaries, children, that when they came back to the States, they just kind of got lost, and lost their identity, and um, backslid, and aren't serving the Lord, and so we began to pray as soon as our kids were born that God would have a place for them, and so um, you are that answer to prayer, and I thank you for it. It means so much to me. There's many times that um, I'm in Madagascar, and I'll get on, and I'll watch the service either live or the archive service, and um, a lot of times I'll just sit there and cry, to be honest with you, but they're happy tears, but um, I'm just, I'm thankful. So thank you for um, loving us, for loving our kids, um, and for praying for us, and for supporting us, and we're praying for you, and um, like I said, there's a lot of times I'll watch the service, and I'm blessed, either through your worship or pastor's preaching, and so thank you for that, and, and you may not see that, and I don't always voice it and appreciate you, but um, I do, I do appreciate this church, and I'm excited to watch um, Lighthouse grow. I'm excited to see the things that are happening here. Um, I'm excited to um, hopefully see a new church building in Jesus' name. Um, and I'm uh, very excited about that. So thank you all, and I hope that the holidays are great. And um, thank you for supporting our daughter. And uh, she misses you guys and very much. She talks about Lighthouse a lot, and uh, she'll be home soon. Time's going by really, really fast, so just a, f just a few more months, and uh, pastor said amen, <laughs> so <laughs> he, um, yeah, anyway, we're uh, very thankful. Thank you for loving Jared. He's feeling offended because his picture wasn't on the video. Sorry, bud. Um, <laughs> maybe next time, <laughs> um, but <laughs> yeah, so um, thank, thank you. Just, I, I don't know. That's all I can say is thank you, and um we're excited about Moyam, excited to have some of you that are coming, and um, so thank you all for, uh, there'll be lots of fundraisers, I'm sure, so um, be patient with all that process, but um, we're excited about having the Lees and uh, the young people that will be coming, and I mean, you're all invited, you don't have to wait for Moyam, if you're too old for Moyam, just take vacation, come see us, I don't know, I mean, it is a tropical island, how you can't go wrong, but um, it is a long way, sorry, Brother Justin, takes a long, you know, Italy is close. Madagascar is a little farther. But um, we do appreciate you, and we love you, and we'll be praying for you, and we thank you for praying for us. God bless you. Amen, amen. One thing I always notice when we're in the U.S. is the pace of life here. It seems like everything is always so fast-paced. 
everybody's so busy you got this to do and that to do and you're running here and there and everywhere but tonight I want to draw our attention to a very important subject to make us think a little about about our our priorities in our life so if you'll join me we'll look in Psalm 127 in the first verse and then we'll also read 1st Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse number 5 Psalms 127 and verse number 1 says unless the Lord builds the house those who build it labor in vain unless the Lord watches over the city watchman stays awake in vain and then going to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse number 5 for this reason when I could no long could bear it no longer I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain think you see the common thought and the common thread there is being in vain Lord I pray that this service this evening you'll help us focus our attention focus our efforts and Lord make sure we do everything that we can to ensure that we're not laboring in vain that we're not just living our life and doing something that really has no eternal value. But Lord, our efforts and our energies and our time and our finance, that is going towards something that will be of eternal value and that it will not be in vain. So put your hand upon us tonight as we hear your word. In Jesus' name. I think probably all of us, if you were to really be honest, we've all done some things that once you were done, you realized, you know, that really didn't mean a whole lot. That was a waste of time. That was a waste of money. Now, I'm a guy, I like, you know, I like tech stuff, I like the new gadgets and so on and so forth, and Throughout the years, I've bought quite a few different gadgets. And some of them were pretty cool, and some of them I thought were going to be cool were just kind of a dud. They weren't what I thought they were going to be. And when it's finished, you're like, well, that wasted a few dollars on something that didn't accomplish anything. It was in vain. You do something, you make plans, you... You live your life and you have goals that you set. But I don't think any of us want to live a life that when it's said and done, will be said it was in vain. It was of no real consequence or purpose, but it was a waste. For me, the easiest way to portray the idea I want to get across this evening is by using several examples in Scripture. I'm not going to read these stories. I'm just going to talk about them because most of them are already very familiar stories to us. But one of the early examples we find in the Bible of someone doing something in vain is when we look at the story of Cain and Abel. Now, there came a time 
that they, for whatever reason, we don't find anywhere that God required it or he had told them to do so, but they felt that they needed to offer an offering to God. And I don't know if it was Cain's idea or Abel's idea or whose idea it was, but the time came and they built an altar and they brought an offering to God. Well, God accepted Abel's offering, but did not accept Cain's offering. I've heard a lot of different speculation and theories as to why God did not accept Cain's offering. One I heard that was probably promoted quite a bit was the fact that Cain brought a, a blood sacrifice because he brought a lamb. But Cain was a farmer, and so he brought the fruits of his field, and God was looking for the blood sacrifice. But when you look at that, that really doesn't hold a whole lot of, uh, of water for me because there was no commandment that God had given to them at that time that they needed to give a blood sacrifice. And so I don't really think that that would be the best explanation. We find others that say, well, Abel brought the best and Cain did not. Cain, when he was separating out the fruit of his labor, he looked for those that you know, he wasn't going to eat and that he didn't really want, and that's what he brought to God. That's another plausible explanation, but we really don't know. I mean, Scripture really doesn't tell us the reason why Cain's offering was not accepted and God did not find it pleasing. But what we do find is that Cain became upset. He was not happy that God accepted Abel's sacrifice and did not take his. And so he got a bad attitude. God told him, said, wait a minute, Cain. You know, if, if you do what's good, will I not accept yours as well? Basically giving Cain another opportunity to do the right thing, to make it right, and to do something that would be pleasing unto God, but Cain did not take the opportunity to make things right but rather he killed his brother because of his anger and so what we find is Cain built an altar and he gave an offering to God but when it was all said and done that effort that he made was in vain the offering and the sacrifice the altar was of no benefit to his life. Another example we find in Scripture is it's a story that took place not long, not too long, after another story in the Bible. Now, the story I, I want to really refer to is the story of the Tower of Babel. And here we find that they were gathered together and they were building a tower tower that they wanted to reach all the way up into the heavens. Again, I've heard people talk about the reason and you know, why did they want to build a tower so tall. And Well, if you look at the story that was before that, that may make a little bit of sense. Do we know what story, what major Bible story took place before the Tower of Babel? Noah. The story of Noah. Now, 
what we do know is that when the ark came and rested again on the ground and it dried up and they were able to leave the ark there was a commandment that God had given to Noah and his sons that commandment was to go multiply and fill the earth but if you look at the story of the Tower of Babel what you find is they had not scattered to fill the earth but rather they had stayed in one place they were building a tower a tower to reach the heavens because possibly they were afraid should there ever be another flood they would have a place to flee to and of course God was not going to do a flood that would be so high that it would drown himself so they wanted to build a tower now I don't know how tall they had gotten this tower I've had the opportunity to travel and go to Dubai several times and in Dubai they have the current tallest building in the world I think there's one that's going to be taller than, than that soon but there that's it's a major building the Burj Khalifa it's way up there and you can pay a little bit of money and go in and go up to the 125th floor and when you look at that from the outside where that observation deck is it's only about halfway up it's almost a kilometer thousand meters high to the very tip of the antenna on top I don't think that these people in Babel could have built a tower quite that tall because it took a lot of modern technology to be able to do something like that but what they were doing was not according to God's plan and it wasn't according to his commandment and anytime we become more interested in doing something for ourselves, maybe something like they were doing to make a name for themselves and to set themselves apart, then really when it's all said and done, it will be in vain. We don't follow God's plan and God's will. We will live a life that will be in vain. Another big story that we can find an example of doing something in vain is you look to the story of Abraham. Now God came to, to Abram and called him to leave the land he was from and go to a new place that he would show him. And God's plan was as he wanted to start a new nation, a new people, a new country for himself. Now, the way God does things and the way I do things don't always match up very well. If I was given the responsibility to start a new nation, I wouldn't do quite like God had done it. And he found a, an elderly couple that couldn't have kids. And that's the ones he's going to start a new nation with. I'm like, wait a minute, Lord. You know, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But if I'm going to start a new nation, I'm going to, you know, look around and find the best-looking, strongest, healthiest, smartest young man and young woman and put them together and that's how I'm going to start my new nation. That's not how God did it. But when he called Abram and Sarah, they left. There was a tag-along. A nephew went along with them. Now, God hadn't called Lot. He called Abram and Sarah. But Lot had the benefit of traveling along with Abram. And Lot, you know, he had his own 
flocks and herds and he had his own identity but as he traveled with Abram to this new land God blessed him just as he was blessing Abraham and their flocks increased their herds increased and there became a time when there was a conflict between the herdsmen because they were not finding enough grass enough place for all their animals to feed and so Abraham said why don't we why don't we meet a little bit and let's let's do something that's going to benefit us because our herdsmen are fighting so we need to put a little bit of distance between one another that way you'll have a place for your flocks and herds and I'll have a place for, for my flocks and herds and so Abraham gave Lot a choice you go where you want to go and I'll go the other way now Lot he should have been smart enough to think well wait just a minute Abraham I'm not the one that was called I'm not the one that God chose for this journey and this new endeavor that he's doing and so it wouldn't be right for me to choose first I tell you what Abraham you you choose where you want and then I'll take what's left because you're truly the one that God has dealt with. But that's not the attitude Lot had. And when you look at it, you think, well, maybe Lot already kind of had an idea of where he wanted. He had his eye on the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, so he chose the well-watered plains of Sodom and Gomorrah. He looked, and there's, you know, there's plenty of grass and water and I think I'll take that. And Abraham let him. Now you don't have to go very far and you don't really find much else about the flocks and the herds of Lot. But the story turns and what you do is find Lot and his family in the cities. They had moved to the plains, but that was really just a stepping stone to get into the cities. But these cities were cities of sin, evil. And so the time came when God was going to destroy these cities. And Abraham bargained with God. But he didn't bargain enough because he didn't go low enough. And the destruction was still going to happen. So God sent a couple of angels to deliver Lot and his wife and his daughters out of the city before the destruction took place. Gave him a command that when you leave the city, don't look back. Don't look back at, at where you're coming from. There's nothing there for you. But as they left the city, Lot's wife turned and looked back, and he lost his wife. She became a pillar of salt. Continue to read the story and see what happened with Lot and his daughters. It's a very sad story very unfortunate someone who had been with God's chosen and had the benefit that he had gotten from being with Abraham the end of his story wasn't so great because whenever we sacrifice spiritual things for wealth for our own desires then we too labor in vain. I don't know about you, but I don't want to labor in vain. 
Matthew 16, 26 says, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? If we build on the wrong foundation, our labor will be in vain. Jesus told the story of two people, two men who were going to build a house. And they both accomplished the task. But he called one of them wise and the other one he called foolish because the wise man took enough time to think about where he was going to build his house and make sure he had a strong, a firm foundation on the rock. But the other was just more interested in getting a house up he built his house on the sand and when they were first done they probably both looked great they were you know they had done what they had set out to do they had built a house and everything was great and fine wonderful until the storm came and when the storm came and the rains fell and the winds blew and the floodwaters rose the one house still stood but the other one fell and the labor of this foolish one was in vain. Anytime we build our life on something other than truth, something other than the rock, Jesus Christ, then our labor too will be in vain. 1 Corinthians 3 and 11 says, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. If we build our life on any other foundation than Jesus Christ, then it will be in vain. If we rely on our own strength and our own ability and what we can accomplish on our own, which is the natural tendency for mankind, especially for the man part of mankind, we want to rely on what we can do. Yeah, I can do that. I, I'm capable. Zechariah wrote 4 and 6. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit says the Lord of hosts. You see, man's strength has its limits. Human knowledge is not complete. Natural ability is not fully capable. While we may be able to do a lot of things, we can't do it all. We only touch the surface, but we need God's Spirit to help us. Every dry period in your life and every dry period in a church is due to the fact that we fail to follow the leading of the Spirit. If you don't let the Spirit lead your life, you're headed the wrong direction. Where do we find true strength? It's going to be in His Spirit. Holy Ghost many times we're searching for more 
natural power and more natural ability and really what we should be doing is searching for his spirit the leading of his spirit in our life we're, we're too worried about finding something to affirm our opinion rather than saying Lord I need your spirit to guide me and to do the right thing do you remember why you were given the Holy Ghost well it's more than just to save you I mean that's a big part of it but you'll receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you that power is not just to make you have goosebumps not just to make you feel good but the power is given to each of us when we receive his spirit to enable us to be a witness in this world to share with others what Jesus has done in our life we've got to be a witness to others now, I know we're kind of in a phase right now here at the Lighthouse. Kind of full. You know, you don't want to just totally max it out. You, you kind of enjoy having an empty seat you know, somewhere along in there. Because if every seat was full, then, you know, you don't, you know, you're, you're packed in. And it's not all that comfortable. Those of you that get to make it to Madagascar, you're going to see what full really is. Well, we always laugh. You look at a place, you know, a, a row of seats, like right here, you got one, two, three, four, five, six. They'd have ten Malagasy sitting on that. They pack them in. They're not looking so much for comfort. But our life is to be lived in a way that will be a witness to others. Now, we're busy. We've got things going on. We've got work to do. Places to go, people to see. But please be careful that you don't spend your life just doing what you think you need to do. And you fail to do what really is important. Because then it will all have been in vain. Ecclesiastes 9 and 11 says, Again I saw that under the sun the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge. But time and chance happen to them all. Wait a minute. The race is not to the swift? That goes against our logic. I mean, if you go line up for a race and you don't know how to run, you have no business being out there. If you're going to race, you got to better be better be able to run. Could be a long race, and so you may not have to sprint, but you have to have endurance, or it may be a short race, and you have to sprint real fast. Battles not to the strong? Wait a minute. That goes against logic. That goes against how we look at things. Now, I'm one of those, I like, you know, mixed martial arts and occasional UFC fight and all that kind of stuff. It's fun, fun to watch, but 
if you're going to get in that ring, that octagon, you better know how to fight. Otherwise, it's not going to be a pretty sight. It won't take very long. It'll be over. The battle is to the strong in our thinking. But what God is telling us here is it's not going to be how you see it. Because the race you're running is not dependent upon your own speed. And the battle you're fighting is not dependent upon your own strength. But you need help. And that's where his spirit is important. When the time came for Noah to fulfill God's command and build an ark, he did it. It took a lot of time. It took a lot of work. But the whole purpose for building this ark was to save mankind and the animal kingdom. So now the time came before the flood was going to come, and all right, Noah, fill it up. Is Noah going to go and get the lions to go into the ark? Could, could Noah go and get a couple of those spitting cobras? Come on, guys, into the ark. To God's Spirit. It was only through God's Spirit. Samson. Pictures we see portraying Samson. Big, strong guy. The Bible doesn't really say that he was a big, strong, well built guy. He was just a guy. But when the Spirit moved on him, he had supernatural strength. One time there were an army of Philistines going to come and take him out. A thousand warriors. <coughs> a thousand warriors came to, to take him out. And so he looked around and the spirit moved on him and he grabbed whatever was handy. He grabbed a jawbone carcass he saw laying there and it happened to be a donkey carcass so he grabbed that jawbone now just to make it clear Samson didn't have a, a donkey jawbone gym that he'd go to and train and you know hanging on the wall there were different sizes and different weights and you know some made out of different things just to practice with and no he didn't have any training with a donkey jawbone but when the spirit moved on him, he grabbed that jawbone and he was able to kill a thousand Philistines. God's spirit. David went and faced a giant with just five smooth stones and a, a little sling that by natural standards would be impossible. Would not be what you choose to go into battle and fight a huge giant, but with God's spirit with him, he was able to take that stone and put it into his sling and sling, sling it around and around and around and let the stone go. And while I do believe that David was a very good shot with his sling, I think he had a little bit of extra help that day. God put some, you know, guidance on that stone and maybe an extra little boost of speed. And it hit the giant where he was unprotected fell to the ground and David grabbed his sword and cut off his head. It's God's spirit. 
Peter stood there as they tried Jesus and a young servant girl came by and said, wait a minute, I know who you are. You're one of his. You're one of his disciples. No, it's not me. You got, you got me mixed up. It's not, it's not me. Oh, yes, it's you. Oh, no, you, you got the wrong guy. I know it's you. And he cursed. And the rooster crowed. He realized that what he had been told, Jesus had told him that he would deny him three times just taken place but this same Peter two months later on the day of Pentecost was able to stand before thousands probably even tens of thousands of people gathered there that day and preach a sermon that pricked people to their heart they say what shall we do and he said repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. What was the difference? Well, it was no longer Peter relying on his own strength and own ability, but it was God's Spirit that was within him that enabled him to preach a message that would see an immediate result of 3,000 receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. It's still God's Spirit that will convict the sinner today and God's Spirit that will save them. And it's God's Spirit that one day, when a trumpet sounds, will lift us from this earth to go and meet our Lord Jesus in the air. Jesus is the one that's all-powerful, can do everything, nothing He cannot do. And too many times we try to do things our own way and with our own might when what we should be doing relying on him tapping into his strength his spirit letting him guide us so even though he has all power he will not force himself on us but he will only stand and wait for us to turn to him but if we turn to him and let him move he will do the miraculous We've got to quit trying to do it on our own because all that will do is end up with another story of something being in vain and I don't want to live my life in vain I don't want to live my life in a way that might seem pleasing unto man but is not according to God's plan for my life but I want it to be whether it's comfortable or not it's enjoyable or not to the human mind I want it to be when it's all said and done that I live my life in a way that was pleasing unto him and that he was able to use me in whatever way that it was we can't compare ourselves among ourselves I know some of you look at me standing up here tonight and well you know, there's a missionary a hero for the record, missionaries really don't like that term all that often. Kind of makes us uncomfortable because we're not anybody special. We're just still trying to follow God's leading and His calling for our life. Same as you. We're all just people fighting a battle against our flesh that doesn't want to do God's will 
relying on his spirit to overcome that so that we can do his will. And then when we've done what we can do, it may not be as much as so-and-so did or it may be more than so-and-so did. It doesn't really matter. But what does matter is did you do what he told you to do and did you live your life in a way that was pleasing unto him? Did you accomplish the purpose that he had for you in your life? Or did you get distracted? Get caught up in the rat race of life and keeping up with the Joneses and all that stuff. And then when it was all said and done, it was in vain. I don't want to live my life in vain. So tonight I encourage you, I implore, I beg of you, examine your life. I'm not here to judge you tonight. It's going to be you that can look at your own self and with the help of His Spirit, judge yourself. And if you see anything in your life that's really not supposed to be there, that you've got it out of whack, all out of place, then it's up to you to say, Lord, forgive me. Guide my steps your hand on my life put me back to where you want me to be because that's the only way I can be sure that my life is not in vain I rely on myself if I rely on my own ability it will be in vain so tonight examine your life take an honest look and be honest with yourself with what you see and if you see something that can be improved and I think probably all of us can what an opportunity we have tonight to say Lord here I am I'm still clay in your hands ready to be molded and shaped made into whatever vessel you need whether it just be a vessel that's for daily use and doesn't look all that great or whether it be a vessel for honor put in a special place in the house it doesn't matter as long as it's your hands in my life then I'm willing to do whatever it is go wherever do whatever because that's the only way my life will not Don't live your life in vain. Don't labor. Don't do all this stuff. And in the end, it's in vain.